You're listening to the Della Darling Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Dara. We're taking Dara's love of telling people's stories, Emily's love of attending events, and our mutual love of the first date, and highlighting the best people to meet, places to go, and things to do that Delaware has to offer. Hello everyone. I'm so excited. As always, we're here in the Della Darling studio. Nutmeg the intern is here. Dara's here with me as well. And we have a really great guest lined up for you guys tonight. And we're all one year older. We are. From the last time we spoke, Dara and I turned 25 plus 3, mm-hmm. which is actually 28, but I'm in denial. Sometimes I wonder about how much personal information we're putting out on the podcast, but I think it would probably be a lot of work. For anyone to listen to all of them and then uh, do some sort of Nigerian prince scam on us. Right. And I'm imagining they have like a war room set up with pictures and like yarn, like, you know, showing on a big map all of the locations we talk about going. Mm -hmm. But honestly, we go so many locations. I think that would be overwhelming. Yeah. So I think... um, Sort of on that note, um, I guess the big things that we've been up to have we've we've had some fun times together, and we've done some birthday celebrations separately. Yes, I will admit that my birthday celebrations were four days long, um, just sort of celebrating with different people and that kind of thing. So um, I did actually, I guess five days because I did something for my birthday this past weekend. Um, but I had a happy hour with coworkers at Stitch House, which we said was for my birthday, but really was just an excuse to go to happy hour at Stitch House, mm-hmm. um, which was really fun. I did happy hour with friends at Hummingbird on a Friday night, which was great because I had sort of like friends from 80 Pi alumni, friends from Bucknell, friends from high school, friends from the gym, um, friends from Bucknell that I didn't know at Bucknell and have met in Wilmington. So it was just a really fun night. And then... Um, This past weekend, I had a friend who I hadn't been able to see prior, so she took me out to dinner at Cafe Pomodoro in Pike Creek, which I probably hadn't been to in five or six years, but it was so delicious. The cannolis were great. The wine was great. The food was great. The meatballs were really good. Can't say enough good things. Um, But you and I actually got to celebrate on my birthday with dinner and a show. Yeah, it was a really nice night, and... um... I don't know if we really have, can we say we've been planning it for a while? I guess it was maybe a month or so in the making that... Um, well, President's Day, so about a okay. month in advance, I yeah. would say. Um, so we saw the Sudden Foster show, um, which was at uh, the Playhouse, which, not the Grand. Right. This is very confusing since the Grand and the Playhouse have merged with their marketing and a lot mm-hmm. of other things, because everything goes through the Grand website mm-hmm. when you buy tickets. But I was really glad that you bought the paper tickets because... I love buying paper tickets. Right, because they actually said the Playhouse on them. So when we were at dinner and I was double-checking actually the start time of the show, Mm -hmm. I saw the Playhouse logo. And that's when we realized we were not, in fact, going to the Grand. Yeah, I love that on the website, their website covers the Playhouse, the Grand, um, and then the... The Baby Grand. The Baby Grand. Um, I love that, you know, all of those events and performances are in one place, so you really get a range of options, um, but at the same time, you do need to double check. Gotta double check the tickets or you'll show up the wrong place. Um, but it was a really great night. We went and had dinner at Mickey Moto's first with a couple of other friends, which was really, really fun. One of them had the Wilmington sushi roll, which yes. I did not know was on the menu, but yes. I was glad someone in our party enjoyed it. I always go for the classic 
specialty roll, the rainbow roll. Um, but I feel like I we ate so much food. I always like to get the Oreo, um, like cookies and cream spring rolls, cheesecake spring rolls. Let me, let me tell you guys, they're so good. And you had actually a creme brulee. Yeah, it was uh, green tea flavored. Yeah, which I don't think I've ever heard that before. So I hope it was good. It was good. And I like the different flavors. I know that you have made your fair share of pumpkin creme brulee. My father is a purist, so he probably doesn't believe that it's really creme brulee, but I enjoyed it. Pumpkin's a tough consistency to include in a creme brulee custard. Um, So I will say, like, it's good, and you can torch it and everything, Mm -hmm. but it's not quite the same kind of custard. So I do think that like when you go with a vanilla or a chocolate, mm-hmm. you can kind of get like a more classic creme brulee yeah. custard. It was very lightly flavored. Um, but I think so not only because of dessert, but the end of the meal was sort of the highlight because they came out with our desserts with little candles and then they had birthday cards for us. They did. It was really nice. And um, I just love this when we go places in Wilmington because so many times it feels like small town feel. So when we had walked in and sat down, they asked if we were... Um, like celebrating anything and I had said oh it's my birthday or I think Arianne said oh it's it's her birthday actually so she was so nice and then when you came in and sat down I told her it was your birthday too um, because it was my birthday that day but we were also sort of having the night out for your birthday and um, yeah they she was just so nice and, and you're right they put candles in our desserts and they brought us out birthday cards and the cool thing about that was they had little um, just small amount gift cards to use at Mickey Moto's yeah I think it was for um like $10 that could cover a roll or an appetizer. Yeah. And like you really can get something good for that price on their menu. Yeah. So it just felt like, um, you know, I was like, Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad our friends picked Mickey Moto's for our outing. Mm-hmm. And they were pretty accommodating. I think of, um, needing to be gluten free cause it was you and another mm-hmm. friend who was with us. So, um, I think we had just a great birthday dinner. Mm-hmm. And then, um, it wasn't only, we weren't just celebrating our birthdays that night, of course. We were also celebrating the birthday of Sutton Foster's father. Right. So a lot of connections here. Sutton Foster's dad shares my birthday, mm-hmm. we have learned. And um, another sort of person in the Sutton Foster sphere is Lauren Graham. Sutton Foster was in the Gilmore Girls like revamp seasons on and Netflix. Bunheads, which was and also she was on Bunheads, which was also an Amy Sherman Palladino show. But Lauren Graham played Lorelai on Gilmore Girls and she and I share a birthday as well as Flavor Flav. And as we discussed, <laughs> you know, he wears a clock and I have decided that that must be why I'm in- incessant about being on time to things. It must be your, your birthday twin. It must be because of that. Um, yeah, but we found out about Sutton Foster's dad because she FaceTimed him during the concert and we sang happy birthday to him. We did. Um, and that was just kind of like a snapshot of like the concert overall that she was just, she was really, um, it, I mean, you were, we were in the balcony seating, but it felt like a really intimate venue. She was very personal, very friendly. She was so positive. I thought it was, um, I thought it was a great show to see, like for a birthday or like, you know, for girls night out. Um, because she's, she opened um, with a song um, that was a medley of a couple tunes. And then she said that it tied into her, her favorite advice is to just say yes to everything. And so there was kind of like this sprinkle of positivity and humor and love through, um, through so many of her songs. Yeah. And in between songs, she would sort of give 
um, quick little stories, which I, I always love. I mean, obviously with guests we have on the podcast, we always have topics we are hoping to talk about and we do. Um, but I always find the thing that's special is when they have this little story to share. Like when Ellen told the, um, gate, the baggage claim people on the, at the airport that her metal art, um, her dresses were sporting equipment because that was an approved thing you could ship mm -hmm. through the airlines. Um, so I just love getting those little anecdotes and I felt like she really shared those with us. Mm -hmm. And I, there were some Sutton Foster fans in the audience. So as we were leaving, we kind of saw them all gathering, preparing to grab a selfie with her. Um, we didn't, but I, st I still count myself as a fan. I do too. Um, and actually at one point when she was talking about the TV show she's on currently, Younger, which is filming, I believe, the sixth season, I watch it. Love it a lot. I think it's just a, the cutest show, funny, silly, nothing too heavy, very lighthearted. Um, but there's a love triangle that she's in between Josh, the young, tattooed hottie, and then Charles, who's sort of the um, more more educated and sophisticated... Silver Fox. Silver Fox, yes. And um, I'm happy to announce that she said she's Team Charles. And I, yeah. I, too, am Team Charles. I, too, am Team so Charles. So my brother is the holdout on Team Josh. I actually don't know of anyone who's Team Josh other than him. Me neither. Yeah. So he's, he's holding down the fort on that triangle. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then we did one other birthday celebration... Yeah, then we had, it's, um, it's, I think it's becoming a birthday tradition. I think we'll have it locked in when we do it next year. Um, I think a lot of our listeners know that Emily and I, uh, both kind of started our friendship in hi our high school newspaper and, um, have held on to a love of communications and words and language. Um, and so we have this like back and forth about a couple ticks a couple grammar ticks i guess and one of them is the use of the phrase annual um, well annual on its own is fine if something mm -hmm. is an annual event that's fine but you cannot have a first annual because you do not know when the first one is happening that it will become an annual event and so i do not feel comfortable using the term annual until it is the second annual mm -hmm. And I think we've agreed that even then, third annual, it's like third annual in. is when you know that this is consistently happening. Yes. So we had the second annual gathering of birthday drinks at Merchant Bar um, on Market Street, and it was a very fun experience this year um, because we literally lit things up. We it it was lit. It was it lit. was lit. Uh, the bartender was so nice because there are a few drinks where they light the orange peel on fire. Mm -hmm. Um, which I had not actually seen because it was happening behind me when all the other drinks were being made. And so we had the bartender tell us all the drinks that you would light the orange peel on fire. And um, we either didn't want them or they were not gluten-free. So We're difficult old ladies now. We are. So we sort of used some other drinks on the menu that had lemon, um, lemon peels. And so he did light the lemons on fire, which is basically just like a little puff of smoke. Mm -hmm. It's... He was like, I don't know how well this is going to work, but we can try it anyway. And then he did it, and um, it was very exciting. It was exciting. It was very exciting, but I, I guess I was envisioning, like, flames, and he told us that it worked just as well as it would with an orange. But I did not know that lemons have less oil than oranges. And now we know. And now we know that we can light things on fire. Well, not 
not literal things, just like lemon peels and other peels at Merchant Bar. Yes. And then we didn't actually do the lighting. No. And then I think we have two more sort of birthday things. Um, I stopped by the Delaware Historical Society to buy your gift. You did. And it was just so on brand. I feel like we have to share it. Speaking of oranges, um, yes, I have a new candle from Emily um, that smells like oranges or orange Gatorade or Joe Biden. Right. So orange Gatorade is rumored to be his favorite beverage. Um, I personally like the blue flavors. I think it is called blue, (laughs) um, which is a color, but I guess it's a flavor. But um, they're available on Etsy, but also at the Delaware Historical Society. Mm -hmm. So apparently it's their most well-sold item. Uh, I think that article came out a few weeks ago. Yeah. And I didn't realize they sold something like a Joe Biden candle, and it has Joe's face on it, and it's very positive, and has little slogans, and um, so it was a nice, I think, little little gift. It was, I, you made me laugh when I got it. I was, I don't know, I should have been expecting it when, like, you handed me something shaped like a candle, but you've given me other candles that don't have Joe Biden's face on them. Um, yes, candles are a favorite like, gift of mine. Um, so you actually can also buy the Delaware Homes homesick candle at the Delaware Historical Society. They have both. So every candle we've hiked, you can you can purchase right on Market Street. Yeah. And speaking of Joe Biden, I also texted you today about a Joe Biden related story. And no, it's not about a rumored presidential run. Right. So I feel like I have to confirm or deny the allegations of the article <laughs> because I am the only one of us who really uses the Tinder and other dating apps. Mm-hmm. And there's apparently like Joe Biden run amok on Tinder. He's in all of these guys' Tinder profile pictures with them. And um, the woman writing the article is writing for the Washington Post. So I did sort of make the assumption that maybe she's in Washington, D.C., and that may be why it's a little more widespread. But it definitely has happened here to me once or twice that there's been some guy and, like, Joe Biden's just in his pictures. Mm -hmm. I like to think it's that they're trying to show, like, how open and liberal they are. Um, There was a suggestion that it's sort of, like, signaling the, your politics, which is becoming ever-increasing. Right. I'm sure I'm sure there are also an equal number of men who have, like, Trump or other, you know, high-profile Republicans in their photos. Um, but I can attest there are several young men in the area who are pimping JB out on Tinder for themselves. He's a wingman. He's a conversation... He's a conversation starter, to say the least. So um, I think you've, you've just got to read the little column for yourself. We'll definitely link out to it, and, and we will tweet it as well. Because um, it, it's pretty funny, and they talk to a couple um, people on both sides of the dating experience, people who have posted pics with Joe Biden and people who have received them. Yes, so the, the dating bros and, and the ladies on the apps. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of bros, this was just an amazing article that um, – Actually, one of our high school newspaper fellow journalists wrote for the Newark Post about the um, city council meeting last night. So it appears there were sort of two hot topics at the city council meeting in Newark, one being new construction plans being approved. And as always, people are concerned about parking and how it's going to affect the city and all those things. And that's understandable. But the other one... um, I, I just have to read the headline because the headline is so great, but it is California Party Bros Visit Newark to Fight for the Right to Party. 
Um, so I guess there's this new ordinance that was passed recently about unruly gatherings. And I think the premise is just that it sort of gives the police a way to say, look, like this needs to shut down, whether there's underage drinking or not, all of these other things, they can kind of say, hey, we're seeing noise complaints and all these things. So there are too many people. And I think it's if you have more than four people gathering, something like that. Um, and so obviously the college students are upset. They don't want this town ordinance. And so they managed to raise $600 to bring... I thought that was a meager fee. Well, so th- so I read the article aloud to my coworkers today. Okay. Um, we did a dramatic mm-hmm. interpretation. And so the two guys, um, they go by Chad and I think JT. But, but they're characters. They're characters. So they're actually comedians who use their characters for activism of some kind. And so... They do fight for the right to party, it would seem, in front of multiple city councils. But they also are doing things like trying to raise money to save the coral reef and, and other sort of bro. That's a surfer bro type. Oh, okay. Type. I just made a confused cause. face. Dara, Dara did look confused. But coral reefs, surfer bros, that's kind of in their wheelhouse. So um, it was definitely interesting. But unfortunately, I think it may have put the nail in the coffin, securing the ordinance stay in place. Because I don't think people... Um, that they maybe had the best impression to give on why we should have the right to party. Yeah. Um, so I will say that I think that the New York Post does a great job covering myriad local meetings like this. Um, and sometimes you have these sort of like headline grabber people show up. And, you know, sometimes you're right. It's just about construction or parking or traffic. Which are still hot topics that are important. Yeah. And I find that so often when I'm talking to people or like, seeing people talk on, on Facebook or like overhearing things in the office. It's like people are curious about like, why is traffic backed up? Why can't I go down that street? And um, I know we talk about the news journal a lot, um, but there are a lot of like smaller community papers like the New York Post, um, which is a weekly and available right. for free. Right. The Hocassin Community News is, I, I don't know if that's even still in publication at this point. It, it, yeah, it still gets delivered. Um, so the Hocassin Community News, which my parents used to get a separate one, um, but now they get the Hocassin one. Mm-hmm. Um, they sort of join forces. Um, we liked WDEL. We like technically DE. Um, I, yeah, there are a lot of great news sources. Including marketing websites like the Brandywine River Valley. Um, they have their own website, including their own restaurant week in the fall. And then in Wilm, which is, you know, a marketing website for the city of Wilmington and sort of their tourism. And their strong suit really is highlighting different restaurants and get and artists. Mm-hmm. And so we're actually so lucky because we're going to have an artist who was recently featured Um, His name is Rick Hidalgo, and he's a gallery owner, an artist, and he really is a champion for showcasing other local artists in the area. We're so lucky that Rick was able to join us tonight, especially with the timing, because he has some exciting sort of news to share, and then some upcoming exhibits, too. Yeah. So, Rick, we're we're excited to have you. Dee, do you want to sort of get us started? Okay, so I'm meeting you for the first time. Yes. I know that Emily has been to your gallery um, at least once, if not twice. I've been to the gallery once, um, which was rip the night that my car was totaled on the way home from the gallery. <laughs> that guy hit me. Oh, it, was, it, was, it was a hard night. I associate bad things with you, Rick. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but I went to the gallery for a show, and actually... Um, 
it's one of my favorite things. We always talk about, obviously, like supporting local art, local culture, those who are making an impact. And um, Rick is an artist and has his own gallery in Hocassin, RH Gallery. And I believe you show your own work there, but you also have exhibits that really feature other artists. And Mm -hmm. the show I went to um, was really interesting because Kristen Margiotta was doing a show. And so Mm -hmm. she had done portraits of how she views all of these other local artists like Ellen Durkin, who was on the podcast, um, I believe back in September. And then Joe Hadenot, um, is a photographer. He was on the podcast. He's, he's not Meg's official photographer, uh, the intern over there. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. So Joe came on the podcast. We talked about his work. And so Kristen had done portraits of all of those artists. And then they also were showing one or two of their own pieces. So it was really, I thought, a cool way to sort of do the local art scene and really bring a lot of people together. Yeah. No, thank you so much um, for having me. And yet, the... That specific show was probably one of the most fun um, that we've had there because of how many people were involved in a creative way. We had no other um, structure as far as curating the show other than, you know, these were a group of like rad artists from the area, some really talented people. And not just visually, they were all musicians or writers or photographers or, you know, etc. I mean, everybody that was doing something cool, quote unquote, that's what Kristen said, um, in the area or who grew up in the area and now is transplanted somewhere else. Delawareans in the wild, if yeah, you will. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, we, we had so many cool people involved in it that just made it a lot of fun from the get-go. And um, them showcasing their work, whether it was, um, you know, musicians or visually, that was amazing. Or wearable artwork. Some people were doing jewelry for that, so that and, was a good And we had Ellen's... Iron Maiden yeah. stuff mm-hmm. out. So you, um, you opened the gallery in spring of 2017, so you're coming up on your two-year anniversary. Yeah. Um, you're a Delaware native, mm-hmm. um, and you've done, as an artist, we've been talking about you as a gallery owner, um, as an artist, I think you've done painting, woodworking, sculpture, metalsmithing. Oh, yeah. Um, and you have, I thought, an interesting backstory in that you're sort of, you're your official training came in high school at AI DuPont. You could say that. Well, that's yeah. where it started. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Could, you, um, could you tell us a little bit about how you got interested in art and yeah. what your artistic vision is has developed into? Definitely. So it's like ever-changing what it's evolving into. God, it changes like every single day, things that I'm interested in. But how it began um, was... You know, as a lot of us creatives, it's kind of like when we're young, it comes out, you know, like it's it's kind of in us. So um, I've always been interested in it. Um, visually, as far as drawing, painting goes, I got more formal with it in high school because of my art teacher, Mr. Boyce, Bob Boyce. And, um, is, he, he, is he still the art he's teacher? Not, no, he's not there anymore. I, I'm not sure who's there now. I think it's um, Mr. Thompson, who is also phenomenal, but... Mr. Boyce was literally my teacher for all four years of high school. And um, I've got to tell you, I didn't like him at first. He was really difficult to, um, to work with. Uh, and he was just very strict and very opinionated. And I was more go with the flow and trying to figure things out still. You know? So I didn't like, I don't like math because there's only one answer. And he only had one answer. You know, it's just like there's only one right way to do this. But that really, honestly, like... It, 
not going to college or having super formal training, quote unquote, after that, he set me up for that later, you know, later on. I, I really had all the basic tools that I needed for a great foundation. So I'm grateful for that. Seriously. Yeah, well, I feel like um, a lot of times, I mean, with anybody who's creating anything, so artists, but like, I think, you know, even with the podcast, like, we sound, sometimes I have to be careful because I'm like, oh, I'm a content creator, and that just sounds so absurd. Um, but for anybody who's creating something, it's like you have to learn the rules or sort of why things have always been done mm -hmm. this way or the cultural context of yeah. them before you can change them. Break away. Yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah. So I, I, um, I definitely I feel like that's sort of what you're saying. Like yeah. you, you had this chance to like sort of learn why things are the way they are mm -hmm. and then make your own way. Well, that's true. Yeah. And, and I got a really great foundation, like I said, there. I've taken classes outside of um, high school, though. So I've done some classes at like community colleges or um, art education centers with traveling artists that have kind of, um, they go all over the U.S. or all over the world or whatever, residency programs, things like that. And then I've done um, workshops with like local artists like Mitch Lyons who just passed oh, away yeah. pretty recently. I've done some clay print workshops with him. I love that guy. Um, so anyway, yeah, and um, actually Ellen Durkin, you were talking about her, you mentioned her. She was my first... I guess you could say like college level uh, figure drawing professor or teacher. Um, so that was that was how I met her. And then <clears throat> years later, she was showing some work at the gallery, which is really cool. And it's it's nice to be in with like people that you've mentioned, like Joe Hadna and Ellen and um, like Kristen Margiotta. I mean that we had a show last October at the gallery, and that was so big for me because that group of those names that I just mentioned, um, we were all in one show together. And like when I was younger and just like getting really interested in the art world, like they were doing the things that I really wanted to be doing. And at the level I wanted to do them at. So mm -hmm. it's nice, you know, to, to kind of be along with them. Yeah, well, and I love that you're kind of highlighting the quality of the artists in our area and mm -hmm. like on a local scale. Um, we often talk about like, we're obviously like just a hop, skip and a jump from Philly, Baltimore, DC, New York. Um, we have such great accessibility to these great art museums, but we also have local artists. We have the Delaware Art Museum, which puts on really great exhibits, and a lot of times they're they're curated to the local culture, um, so to artists who are local to the area or or just geographically, um, they're curated. Oh, so yeah. um, talking about curation, you obviously do some of that for your own gallery, but mm -hmm. you have a show, well, you have two shows coming up at the Delaware Contemporary. Yes, April 5th. April 5th. And they're both yes. running for about a month, I think. Right? Yes, yes. Okay, so tell us about both shows and then what's different about them. So there's so much to say. I literally have been planning for this for uh, the last year. So everything has been centered around these shows, you know? So I don't know what I'm going to do after they're done. But anyway, so there are two. Uh, first, I'll tell you about the group exhibition that I curated. Um, the title of that is The Fire Theft. Um, that's The title comes from uh, one of the original Greek myths, and it's about a bird that steals 
fire from the gods and brings it to earth so that we can thrive here. Well, not us, but the animals that were living here at the time. So it was bleak and bland, and long story short, this bird brings the flame back to the earth so that we can bloom and flourish with color and things can grow and so on and so forth. So um, it's a visual story. It's kind of a gradient from like bleak, bland, gray, neutral colors to like a garden, literally just like flourishing flames of color. So um, I'm excited to, uh, to see the show up. You know, it's not installed yet. So all these artists are from all over the US. I haven't even seen some of this work in person, which is amazing because some of them are huge in scale. We have some seven and a half foot sculpture in freestanding. We have like huge paintings. So, um, and then some really detailed, intricate, more, um, you know, pieces that draw you in and, and demand you to get closer and get to know them better, you know. So, um, so that's the Fire Theft show um, in a nutshell. My show is called Blackout and um, it, it is uh, all derived from the color black and it's actually about light more than darkness. So, um, and it's about a lot of, lot of different things. It's very complex complex title. Uh, there are so many directions that I have gone with it in the past 11 months in actually creating the work. Um, I've actually, I feel like that I'm different after creating the work. I feel different as an artist and as a person too, um, which is a really cool thing to say and I hope that never stops, you know, um, happening every, every exhibition or every series or every project that I work on. Um, so anyway, the, the Blackout show, um, was an exploration of color, of texture, of light, and you really, um, you know, I, I got to explore all of these different mediums because it's a multimedia, mixed media um, platform where it's, it's beeswax and acrylic and resin and oil and all these crazy mediums like shredded tire rubber and steel and I'm, I'm kind of forcing all of these together um, to create different textures that play off of each other and some create just um, abstract shapes and forms and some, some create scenery. So yeah, in, in a nutshell, it's going to really, I hope, take everyone that attends this show for a journey. Um, I don't really feel the need to explain my work ever. I feel like that you should probably just experience it and feel it in person and that's the best way to, to get that understanding, you know? Do you feel like, um, because you encourage people to experience it themselves, do you ever feel like it impacts people in a different way than you expected or, or planned? Mm -hmm. Always, yeah. A lot of time, it, it does, it really, um, and I mean, that really, it changed, literally, the work changes throughout the day, you know? I mean, because light is such a huge factor, a piece will look different in the morning and then at night and then in the afternoon, you know? So depending on the light that's given and the color that's around it, it changes. And some of these pieces are so reflective um, that you see yourselves in them. So people's reactions to that are often emotional um, and, and I really, I love that. And that fuels the next series, you know? And I take that information and, you know, all of that, um, you know, information that I gather about like how I'm able to 
create environments for these people to enter, you know, um, and just grow upon that to create larger environments or more effective or more direct. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the fact that, you know, um, you know, I think that I'm just understanding that that's my job as an artist. And I'm like, oh my to God, this is my Yeah. I, or, or maybe not every, every artist's job, but that maybe mine. And I think that's maybe what I was talking about with the, uh, process of creating this show that I've found a, out a lot about myself that I didn't foresee coming, you know? Um, so, yeah. yeah. So you were nice enough to provide us um, with some presents. We, look, we love when guests bring swag. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone's going to top the that pie girl because she brought us pie. What? And we got to eat it. So. Well, so yes. like you know these you nobody's even seen these yet. Just so we're so getting you know, okay. Nobody's, so so each person, the first one hundred people that come to the show, will get one of these prints. But you two. So these are I would say about six by six prints yes, of um, one of the works, landscape three. Yes. Does that mean there's a landscape one and two? Yes, there are. Okay. And they're not all circles. Okay. Yes. So, um, yeah, we're excited. Rick brought them in, and I'm like, I'm going to hang this on my desk at work, which is actually starting to sort of fill up with swag from various guests, um, which is good, because whenever we have artists, they do tend to bring us prints of their work, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but we, we love any kind of swag. And, and Rick actually brought us a book of yes. the blackout pieces. Mm -hmm. So I know you had someone come in and photograph and yes. you had, um, in Wilm came and did an interview. I think the day everything was being photographed. Yes. Jill Althouse Wood did. Yes. And so, so Dara is quite the journalistic sleuth and okay. she, she, I leave a lot of the, the hard research to Dara. Yeah. Um, and so she had actually sent me that article this morning, and then you sent it this afternoon. And we were both glad to realize that we were wearing black, which we didn't know if that would make you feel more comfortable. Well, I actually was, like, shaving myself because I'm not wearing any black. No, my, my jacket, jacket and my boots black. are black. Yeah. But I'm actually I'm moving, as I mentioned earlier. So all of my closer actually in my other apartment and I was not there at all today yeah. so yeah we so are. so we felt like we can make you feel a little more at home uh, yeah no in this our, is really in our nice black I felt welcomed and I didn't even realize it yeah and our intern nutmeg welcomed you she did she's she hasn't nerd. fully accepted you yet but okay. she's in charge of the final security check that's, <laughs> that's one of her responsibilities as the unpaid intern um but yeah I mean I'm so excited um and we definitely talked about you as a painter, and I know you work with a lot of different media when it comes to that. Yes. But you also do some sort of 3D kind of stuff. I do. So there are two pieces I'm thinking of. One that I think is in this show, and mm. it's arm, it's toy army soldiers. Yes. So very like Toy Story-esque. Yes. Um, and of course, you've created, I believe they're like falling out of the wall is the way it comes about. Which, the cubes or the army men? The Army Men. I'm talking yeah, about the Legos. Are, the Legos, right? Oh, the Legos. Yeah. So I've done that kind of. Um, it's a it's a very similar process for all of them, but very different at the same time. And and it's um it's it's similar in the way that I attach them all. But anyway, um, the Army Man piece, Valor, is the title for it, and um, that is probably I always tell people the most political that I will get um, as an artist. I, I don't really like to make waves, so so to speak. Um, but it's it's it means something different to everyone. I think that 
Um, it has strong opinions on war in general and on its intentions and the honesty and all of that surrounded by it. And, you know, so, you know, I, um, I don't get into that much, but that's what that painting is about. Um, and there are also uh, brass bullet casings in there. So the army men are kind of arranged um, in a battlefield. It's a square grid on a wall, and it's um, encased by a stainless steel frame. So it's very cold, it's very hard, and it's very dark, you know. Um, but it could also be viewed as, um, you know, something pleasant and something honorable and, you know, something to be proud of. So it means something, and I've gotten two different reactions from so many different people. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoy that piece. And, and let's see, which other pieces did you mention? So, the, I, I think I saw, like, a sped-up video of you working on the Lego piece. So you yeah. were, right, so you're creating out of... And I could be totally wrong, so resin. please correct me. But out of resin, okay, yes, I was right then. You are correct. So you're creating out of resin. Basically, they look like plastic interlocking blocks. So we don't want to get sued for copyright infringement. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, um, but they look like Legos, and mm -hmm. so um, I I don't know if I was seeing like that whole process happening or toward the end. But you had posted like. A video feed. Yeah, I like to point. do that as much as I can. The live feeds or yeah, well, I on think um, yeah. So you had like filmed and then just sped up the time lapse. Yes. Um, and it was just really cool to see and feel like I was at the gallery while you were doing yeah. this, but I didn't necessarily have to be there for eight hours and no, many I, days in a row. Yeah, I know. Um, and so yeah, tell us about that piece because that's probably been the one that I've seen from you mostly on social media that just like has really stuck out to me. The Lego piece. Okay, so the Lego I so that was just a really, I like to do a lot of things on like keeping things simple and fun and not getting so carried away with the things that we care about for whatever reason every day, you know, and, and I like to just keep myself in check um, as to where I'm putting my energy and my time and my focus, you know, is it something that's um, valuable or not? So anyway, the Legos are a reminder to like lighten up and like enjoy life and not forget about those things that we used to enjoy that are so simple, but doing it in a really elegant way. So the Legos I did with um, shattered glass, which um, it was a tempered glass and it's a special mirrored glass um, that is just uh, chrome silver and it reflects light like very intensely. And then the Legos themselves are crystal clear, so they kind of look like they're diamonds when they're well lit, you know? So they're, the little fractals of light are just all over the wall too. So it has a cool effect on the space around it. Um, but the process is really cool. I like to do that. You know, one of the, one of the things that I like about um, art so much, and one of the reasons that I work with so many materials is because I like the feeling of discovering something, you know? And I like to provide that for other people too. And those sped up little videos, it allows other people to f kind of feel like they're discovering the process that I am at the same time, you know? It's a really cool thing. And to get somebody involved in that or relate to that in whatever way you want to is, is, a, is a nice thing, I think. Um, so yeah, and I've done other pieces that are similar with ice cubes that are falling out. That's probably, I think, probably one of the staple pieces of the show coming up April 5th is um, Black Cubed. Black Ice Cubes. Okay. Yeah, the Black Cubed. Um, they're actually, they're clear ice cubes that are falling out of a panel. 
And um, I had originally planned to have a pile on the floor at the museum also, but decided against that for, you know, tripping hazard and some of them, you know, they might disappear and all of that. So hopefully, hopefully, you know, nobody will trip this way, but the, the 48 by 48 black cube piece um, is pretty diesel and I'm really looking forward to seeing it hanging on that wall in the museum April 5th. So... We've been talking a bit about your work and your ideas and your, your process. Um, I was wondering if we could backpedal to um, the other show and if you could talk a little bit about what it means to be a guest curator and like how you identify what would make a good part of a show, how you identify artists. Because um, I think a lot of people don't understand how, how shows come together. And, and I'm going to ask, can you explain how you got the opportunity to be a guest curator? Um, like how did that even come about? Well, to answer that one first, I guess um, Catherine Page had just called me one day, um, and she, Catherine Page is the uh, curator of contemporary at the Delaware Contemporary Museum on the riverfront here in Wilmington, and so Catherine had asked me about both shows at one time, and they were both really great opportunities, so I was not going to say no to either one of them. Now looking back a year later, I think I'm pretty insane for taking on two shows and uh, 14 artists, including myself, um, on at once, you know, for, for two shows all at once. So I'm so glad that it worked out well. And there's, you know, I knew it would in the beginning. But um, Catherine had just called me one day and she, she, you know, given me the opportunity and sent over the formal paperwork and... Um, Honestly, I didn't process it for about another few weeks, um, you know, but that was, that was amazing. And I think that Mary Birmingham and um, Morgan Hamilton had something to do with it as well. Morgan was working at the Contemporary. He said, uh, we were in the meeting one day um, at the museum and um, your name came up in the meeting and they were looking for slots to fill in next April's uh, schedule. So a couple people had mentioned you and I said yes, Morgan had said yes, get him. And so <laughs> Catherine called me right away and that's how it all went. So, um, Dara, what was your, your two questions again on your, your two points? That you Basically, what does it mean to be a curator and what, yeah. like, what are you looking for when you're assembling a shell? <sighs> So what, two, two really in-depth questions. I can't answer anything simply, but I feel like what it means to be a curator is, you know, I think just bringing my view to the world and presenting it um, and gathering artists and their different styles and emotions and things that they're interested in and you know the color in general um, I mean the textures there are so many ways and I feel like maybe I have a different style in curating than a lot of other people might because I like to incorporate tech like plain basic texture like one of my pieces is a piece that looks like it could have been chopped out of a tree. Like it looks like black turkey tail fungus growing on the side of a tree that was just then framed and hung on a wall. You know, so there's that. And then I like the, you know, extremely loose 
aspects of work too. You know, I, I love it all. So I think just as a person that appreciates art and all of its history and its evolution over time and kind of learning more about that as I go on and creating my own understanding about that and just, um, you know, that all comes to a head when I'm curating a certain show. You know, I, it's, it's a whole journey. It's a whole story. And I actually just mentioned to somebody the other day, I'm going to start writing stories about, about the shows and including um, a journal about each one as well so that people can like fully understand it on a whole different plane. I think that sounds great. I know like I, um, Dara definitely tends to be the more artistic one. I think it's a little more her passion than mine. That's nice of you to say that. Well, I have to do all of the eating. I yeah, have to do yeah. all of the eating because you're allergic to gluten. So oh, no. we all have our roles in this podcast yeah. partnership. Mm -hmm. um, I have to eat all of the things with dough. Mm -hmm. it, it is a burden I must bear in the world. Job. It is very difficult to be <laughs> me. Um, but what has struck me, right, I, I guess you're sort of saying like every show is kind of different and how you experience it is different. So I'm wondering with this one, you have like a very curated theme. So did you come up with a theme mm -hmm. and then choose artists who would who could be part of that or yes. did you sort of choose artists and then have a theme like how did that process work yeah no i was uh i was watching um what is it called the power of myth on netflix with joseph campbell and it was the very first episode and that episode for some reason like had hit me hard i think uh, one of the thoughts that was going on in my mind was like thank god there's a show like this and thank god there's a, there was a guy like this you know and so joseph campbell is just like the god of all myths, of all stories, tales, all of, all of that in general. So he mentioned the story of the fire theft, and I don't know what it was about it that like struck me. I think it was the fact that there was a part of the story where the bird goes and gets the flame and brings it back to Earth. And in the beginning of the story, there's more. He's the only one with color and on the, on the earth in general. So he's the most beautiful bird. And then by the end, when he's br bringing the fire back to the earth, he loses his color because of the flames singeing his feathers and all that. So he loses his own beauty and gives it up for the greater good. And I don't know, I mean, it's pretty dramatic, you know? It's pretty dramatic if you think about I it. Think but like I think we all like love that. I here. love that. Yeah. Well, you what know, what good pretty... is the story without the dramatic <laughs> I am romantic if, yeah, I am a, a romantic. I don't care. Yeah, I love that kind of thing. So, um, well, yeah. Well, mythology is definitely your thing, though. Yeah. Yes, it is. I, I love it. I mean, any kind of um, tale like that where there's just, like, a greater good or, like, something dramatic is just, I mean, it's necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In talking about curation and how um, the show came to be, um, you talked about, like, your name coming up as, like, in getting this opportunity mm -hmm. um and i don't know your exact age but i think it's correct to describe you as a young person sure um which i think I, i'm gonna i'm gonna estimate you're in the you're in the 30 range um i am 30. oh yes. my gosh okay. you guys yes. are so good you're at this too good. <laughs> let's count we're one of one on me guessing our guest <laughs> age yeah um so and i think that perhaps people don't expect a young person to be running a gallery or when you're 
it might not be what you imagine immediately picture. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit. I think it's great. I well, think it's great. No, I do too, and I think it's I think it's fun. Well, and I would yeah. say especially. Um, you know, one of the things we talk about on the podcast is um, because I live in Wilmington and I work in Wilmington and a lot of my life is here. And so a lot of Dara's time in Delaware um, and experiencing things is spent with me in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sometimes tend to be a little Wilmington heavy. So it's exciting to have you on as your galleries in Hocassin. Yeah. And so we're sort of hoping to reach this different demographic, but also to have a young person who has a gallery in Hocassin, which I think is more considered um, like a family area mm-hmm. or yeah. like empty nesters, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. as both of our parents are. Um, mm-hmm. And we grew, we both grew up in Hocassin as well. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so I think like seeing definitely a young person who's, who's taking on such an exciting um, entrepreneurial mm-hmm. endeavor mm-hmm. and in a location where I wouldn't have necessarily expected it. Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, go ahead, Derek. Oh, well, I was just like, can you talk about what, um, how do you push yourself out there? Like, what is it that drives you to, to find these opportunities and, and to make things work? Oh, God, I don't know, because there's no other option for me. I feel like I, there is no other job that I... Yeah, this this is your yeah. full-time mm-hmm. job at this yeah, point, right? Like, the gallery and being an artist is the full-time. I think, yeah. um, you know, we I, I said we met at your gallery, but mm-hmm. we actually ran into each other at El Toro. We were both yes. we were both just having a casual dinner by ourselves at the yes. bar. And you <laughs> sat next to me, and I thought, you know... I think that's Rick. <laughs> and so... Local I, celebrity sighting. It, a local celebrity. What can I you do? I was the same thing. <laughs> so we ended up having a great conversation that night, and I felt like I learned so much more about you. And you actually had just left your sort of nine-to-five job to pursue yeah. art full-time. I did at that point. You're right. Wow. Wow. I think it was your last day of work, actually. Like, I think it was... Think what it was better very, way very than to celebrate at El Toro? Yeah, I know, right? It yeah. was, it was National thing. Taco Day, too, I think. Yes. Yeah, which is why I was there. They had marketed very well on Instagram. So shout out to El Toro. Your marketing is very good. Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but but I guess, like, what is it like now? So I sort of mentioned the entrepreneurial side. So as an artist, that's two totally different skill sets to sort of have that creative mind and um, exploratory and be discovering. But, like, now you're running a business and you are a brand. So what has that experience been like? Do you do you think like an artist or do you think like an entrepreneur? Oh, or is it the same thing? It's all, no, it's not the same <laughs> Okay. Thing. But um, it is definitely not the same thing. I switch and I do it intentionally, um, if you know what I mean. I literally have days for certain jobs, you know, because I, it's hard for me to, to hit that switch four times on a, on a given day. And actually, you had mentioned that this is my full-time gig now. And yeah, anything, it's all creative now at this point. I was bartending, I was teaching, I was you know doing the um, pop-up gallery shows before all of this and doing a million different things before. But now it is just creatively focused. Um, and yeah, I, um, what was it, what was it? I just said, what has the experience of being an entrepreneur been like and starting your own company and being so young and creating this world for yourself 
I know when we were trying to set up this interview and find a time that would work, um, you and I were playing phone tag back and forth and it actually worked out. There was a snow day. And so I was lamenting the fact that I'd had to work from home because I'm used to having multiple screens and I do engineering work. So when I'm drafting and writing reports and doing all these things, the screens help. And you said on days when it snows, it's kind of helpful because it forces you to stay at home and do the administrative side of what you're doing. It does, it does, and it's really nice to have an excuse to do that. I, I can't I can't play the same roles in the same places wearing the same hats. It's really difficult for me. So for example, if I'm going to the studio that day that I'm, you know, wearing different clothes and I'm going to do a certain job and then if I'm doing like the office side of work that day and all of the paperwork or computer work then I'm going to stay home and just sit at my desk or a dining room table or something and do the work there for that day so that I can concentrate. And because if I'm at the studio, I just want to paint. I don't want to do any of the paperwork stuff, you know. Um, and it's, it's a completely different change because getting the gallery, I really didn't, um, first of all, I'll be completely honest and full disclosure, I didn't mean to get a gallery. I was really just looking for... You just happened upon it. Kind of. So, you know, it was always, listen, I I say that and it sounds kind of weird, and I had been planning pop-up shows in Wilmington for a few years before that with a couple of different groups. Um, Moving Parts was one, In Wilm was one. Um, and we did shows at the mill, down Market Street, on Union Street. We were all over the place and just doing um, shows with a core group of artists, but there were usually four or five of us. Anyway, fast forward some years. I really was doing my work at home, in my basement, had a tiny studio. My work is very messy. It's not good for your house. It's not good for your carpets, especially if you're renting. It's not a good thing. So, anyway, I... Um, I decided, okay, well, let's not do this anymore, and let's get an actual studio. And I felt more productive also um, actually driving to a place to do work. It was a different mindset. So um, the place presented itself through a friend that I knew. Her family member had this place, was trying to run it out. Um, I went to check it out. It was way too big for my studio space. It was way too big. And there were also six sectioned off rooms and I was like well these look like offices but they were kind of interesting it wasn't typical office spaces so we figured it out and I decided that it would be a good idea to have that as kind of an artist's working space and then we can show work in the front room which was a significant size I mean high ceilings and just bare bones I mean it was really a nice gallery space it's a beautiful space And it's sort of, um, for those who know the area, so in Hokessin, you know, the Wawa sort of sits between Lancaster Pike and Old Lancaster Pike, right Mm -hmm. in the downtown of Hokessin. Um, And the gallery is right on the other side of Old Lancaster Pike. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit tucked away, which is nice. And you you guys are on the second floor. We are. So, right. So downstairs is, is more traditional office space. Um, and so I think one of the cool things whenever you do something like that is that during the day you definitely have more traditional um, employees parking and then at night those parking spaces open up. So you actually yeah. do have a full-size parking lot yeah. that can accommodate really a lot more than you would think just because of the nature of the other offices in the area. That's a huge perk of being in Hocus and you don't have to worry about parking. Yeah. It's super easy and I mean 
you don't, you know, it's, it's all pretty close by. So. Yeah. And I think, um, Emily and I, especially, um, when we think of Hocus and we think of it being a family place cause our families yeah. are from there. Um, but I could see it being such a fun night out to go to the gallery and then maybe go to George's and Sons and mm -hmm. eat some oysters. Um, I know you don't like oysters, I love Emily, <laughs> but I do love Famous Tom's as long as you sit at the Tom Brady table and not the Tommy Lee table. Yeah, so you you could make definitely a fun night out of, of yes. this little trip to Hocasa. Yes, yeah. and you tend to have like at least opening receptions and sometimes closing receptions for mm. your shows. So yeah. I think that's really fun. Um, and speaking of receptions, I want to sort of transition. So sure. this weekend, the Delaware Contemporary had an event, and I believe you got an award. I did. So tell us about that, because that is exciting <laughs> so, to be an award-winning artist. It's exciting to me, too. Um, yeah, no, it was a great surprise. Um, again, I got the call from Catherine Page um, that they uh, were awarding me, and her and uh, she and Joseph Gonzalez, um, at the Dollar Contemporary, we're awarding me a the Visionary Award this year, and it's a, it's a new award, so first in its category, which is also pretty awesome. You're you're setting um, the standard. Yeah, and and that's amazing. Um, so it was the Dollar Contemporary fortieth uh, annual gala, and so I I mean it was a kind of celebration of their evolution as a museum over the past forty years, and. It was a really big honor because another awardee was um, Rick Rothrock, which which had a lot to do with the beginning stages of the Delaware Contemporary or the DCCA becoming a thing in general. So um, that was amazing. You know, it was kind of um, it was really honoring because it was a little bit in my mind. I took that as like the torch almost because. You know, Rick Rothrock's, um, he's a stone sculptor, and he's a little bit older, and I feel like, okay, as the visionary, you're setting the bar, the future standard, so here we go, you know, pick it up here and, and charge forth. But, um, yeah, that was, that was an amazing um, honor to be, to be awarded at that show. So some of the things that you've talked about, um, like in terms of getting the gallery, you weren't necessarily looking, but this opportunity came up. Yeah. Um, and thinking about being an artist, an entrepreneur, um, some of the themes that I'm picking up from you, and I think I've heard from other people who've been able to pursue their passions successfully, is kind of like if you leave yourself open, the good things will come to you. Mm -hmm. Have you, like, do you see yourself in that way? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I really think that it has a lot to do with just being open-minded in general and not thinking that I know everything. Because that, that's, that day that I think I know everything, God, I, I hope that never comes. Because I always want to be curious, I always want to explore, and, um, you know, opportunities come that may be in disguise or may not look great or... Maybe the money's not there up front or whatever, and you really need to make it, you know? So it's just, it, it's difficult, but I always just um, try to follow, I don't know, as cheesy as it sounds, my heart, and um, do what I believe is the right thing to do, and that's taken me this far, and just, you know, do the best that I can do with every single project that I put my, my energy into, you know, and it's taken me to a great place so far. Yeah, I think you've definitely been open to opportunities and that has allowed them to come your way and then you've said yes when they come. Yeah. Um, and I am so impressed because a lot of times that can be scary to do. Um, 
especially in the creative world, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that's great. Um, and I'll be honest, you've given us so many great sound bites for <laughs> promos. Like I'm, oh, I'm, I'm overwhelmed thinking about editing and actually like noting all of the great sound bites that come. This is this is my latest thing <laughs> in editing because I'm always trying to improve. Um, and and I'm just so excited to do that. So. I think we're about out of time, so we'll... I have one more question. Oh, Dara's going to have one more question, um, and then we'll be out of time. So it's a little it's a little convoluted, because I'm trying to think of it, of how to ask it in the right way. Um, but in looking at your work, um, one of the things that really resonated with me, like we talked about um, the Toy Soldier piece earlier, and to me, when I was slipping through the pages of um, the book that you, that you gave us, um, I didn't immediately realize that it was Toy Soldiers. Mm. And then you had another piece that I was delighted to find featured a gummy bear um and so i think a lot of your your pieces for me it's like a look Mm. and then kind of do a double take and look again yeah and i know that you mentioned earlier you don't like to tell people how to feel or what to expect yeah um but i was wondering if like to apply this in a more broader sense is and we've talked about being you know from delaware and being a local artist is there something you would like to encourage listeners to look at and then look at again. Specific pieces, if they go to the show, or or um, like how to go through that process. I don't. I yeah. I, don't. It, it, I mean, I think you could. If if there is a specific piece that's like jumping to your mind right now, we can go with that. Well, um, I think you listed a couple of really good ones. I mean, yeah, because the aspects that, well, what I find so intriguing or interesting or. What I love about these pieces are, yeah, you do kind of, it catches your eye, and the Army Man piece, like, to me at first, it looked like shag carpet on the wall, and I loved that. I loved the fact that it was like, what is that doing there? And then, wait a second, that's not it, and then it completely changes meaning, like a complete 180, mm-hmm. like, instantly, as you walk a little bit closer to it, and then you get really, really close to it. It's like there are phases of approaching this object or this piece or painting, whatever it happens to be at the show. Um, and you have different experiences with it over that 30-second period or however long you spend with it after you finally reach the, you know, the close enough point to see the surfaces that are there. And what's actually on that surface and not what it's reading like 10 feet away, you know? Um, And that's where a lot of the light comes in and a lot of the different mediums come in and why I use them is to create different textures and kind of throw you off and on purpose, you know, play with you a little bit to maybe make you realize that maybe you don't know everything either, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm not saying that everybody thinks they do, but there are certainly people out there that do. And I think that there's something beautiful about always remaining open. And always staying um, curious and positive and just hungry for more, you know, to figure out more and not just settled in your day-to-day routine. You know, that's the worst place that I can be as far as I'm concerned. No, so I'm getting the takeaways from the conversation to be leave yourself open to opportunity, be willing to explore, and be willing to say yes. Well, that's beautiful. And I don't, I don't know... <laughs> I don't want to say that summarizes you as a person, Rick, but it definitely summarizes, I think, this conversation. Um, and so with that, we'll kind of we'll kind of leave the good sound bites and, and we'll head into sort of our giving you guys what's coming up. Mm-hmm. Thank well, you so much. 
Thank you for being here. I, I think that this, I don't know if this is stretching it a little bit, but I think especially like the mission of the podcast and talking about like what interests us, like we're always encouraging people to look at things twice and to, you know. And to reach out and experience new things mm-hmm. um, that they may not have realized they'd be interested in. So there definitely are a lot of times we've taken art classes at the Brandywine River Museum. Mm-hmm. So they bring in local artists to do something that's sort of themed toward the exhibit. And we've had the chance to do some clay tile work, to do some alcohol ink pillowcases. Nice. Um, we've done actually alcohol ink Christmas ornaments was at a winery down in Maryland. So mm-hmm. We definitely like to try those new things, and sometimes we don't know how they're going to turn out or if they're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but at least we show up. But we show up and we try, and we have a good time together. Um, and um, yeah, we just we just love all of that. And obviously, you're highlighting local artists, and you're very involved in the local art community here. And we are excited to support that, and and sometimes be a part of it. So. Um, I know we've talked a lot about the two shows you have coming up at the Delaware Contemporary. So that's both the fire theft and then blackout, which is your own work. Yes. Um, and the fire theft is the curated one that you put, you put together that is 13 artists, 14. Cause you, did you contribute pieces to that as well? Um, the uh, 13 artists in the group exhibition and then, I and then you, the, yeah, and then right. Separate, um, separate. and I believe the fire theft is opening on the 28th. So, well, the, the fire theft and the blackout, they're both the same opening reception dates. Okay. So Which is the actually, 5th, right? Yeah. The April 5th and the galleries are linked together. So it's DuPont one and DuPont two galleries in the Delaware contemporary on the riverfront. And it's from 5 to 9 p.m. Okay. I might be making an appearance. I have um, my licensing exam for my 9 to 5 job is (laughs) that day. I'm very stressed about it. It's been a long four months at this point of studying. Okay. Um, But I know I'm going to go to happy hour with some coworkers who are going to celebrate my having taken the test. I won't know if I've passed. Um... But I'm I'm hoping to sort of meander over. Bring all your friends. for the reception. Bring that's, everyone. That's bring the party. That is cool. our party. We're starting at Dead Presidents, so okay. Um, it's one of my one of my favorite one of my favorite haunts. Um, so I'm hoping to make my way over on April fifth, and that'll be running through like the end of April, right? Yes. Both of those. Yes, that's correct. Um, so if you can't even if you can't make it to the reception, you can always run over to the Delaware Contemporary for. Um, just, just to check everything out at a later date. Yes. But I imagine a number of the other artists will be there during the reception. Yeah, well. for the group show, um, there will be a, a good number of the artists present for the opening if you'd like to meet some of them. Uh, some of the artists are from um, the East Coast, so most of the artists from the East Coast will be there at the show. Yeah. Okay, so that's great. Um, and then what do you have coming up at RH Gallery? So at RH Gallery, gosh, we have, um, I'm not ready to unleash what we have going on in June. So <laughs> you guys, secret exhibit. Yeah, we have something going on in the middle of the summer. So we've kind of reformulated um, this year. So entering our new year, um, next year we're going to do quarterly shows. So I've decided we're going to do four per year. And um, kind of focus all of the energy into four solid, extremely amazing shows instead of having one every month or one every other month, you know. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have one over the summer and then the beginning schedule or the schedule will begin again in the fall. So stay tuned for that. We have something going on in the fall that's 
very exciting. Can it be exciting? Oh, what I can tell you, what I can give you is in September, um, Chef's Table event that we did um, last year in February, we're going to do that again, and that's coming back in September. We did decide that, and I don't know if I'm allowed to tell anyone, but I just did, so... Okay, so you did. So tell us, what does that mean? There's art and food is what it sounds like. Yeah, so... This sounds great. It is great. So we did one event, and it sold out immediately. It was... um, I think we only had 45 or 50 tickets for that event. And um, this year, we're going to have 60 for it. So we're going to do three nights... Chef table, chef's table, um, it'll be uh, Alex Neaton and Matt Anderson, and I believe they're bringing on another chef. Um, so they're all actually co-workers at um, a very fine dining restaurant that I'm not sure I can mention because it's not affiliated with the gallery, um, but trust me, they're very They are good. professional they chefs are at award-winning chefs. Yeah, so in Pennsylvania. But anyway, we're teaming up, and I usually do... The visual art pieces uh, for each course, and we usually have seven courses, and then they'll do the, um, you know, gastronomy. And you guys, I get obsessed when they just pair my food with wine, but now, uh, yeah, now yeah. we're pairing it with art. Well, we this can is do a whole too. different level. Yeah, we no, have to be there. Oh, no, I need the wine too. But I'm just saying, this, this <laughs> is a whole different level of like experiencing an evening. Yeah, I mean, this is a different level of curating too for myself. You know, I mean, like really incorporating on every level, like the art of cooking, the visual arts. I mean, it. How I did it with the courses was I took textures, colors of the ingredients in the in the um, in the food, and I made my own visual representation of that in some way. I'm thinking it's not the same way as on Kids Baking Championship. No, because they <laughs> are told like you have to make a dessert, like yeah. a cake of some kind, but it looks like a bologna sandwich. Mm. Yeah, it's not like that though. It's not. But now you got my gears turned. But now no, you can. I'm, I'm, I'm joking. I don't know that I recommend that. No. Last year, some of them, some of the pieces that I did, they were all six by six paintings, um, okay. and I did seven courses, gotcha. so to speak. But some of them did look very edible. I also have been dying to bring up Kids Baking Championship for um, an entire year at this point. Are I'll you say, serious? This is our this is our one year anniversary. <laughs> this is our twenty fourth episode, so it's our our one full year of podcasting. Yeah. Um, well, Valerie Bertinelli is the host, and you know she is from Claymont, so she is a Delawarean in the wild. I just need to highlight that. Um, so, in addition to all the great stuff Rick has coming up at the gallery and at the Delaware Contemporary, I know Dara and I have a few exciting things coming up as well. Yeah, um, over the weekend, um, not the Delaware Contemporary, but I visited the Delaware Art Museum um, with my family, um, and one of the things that we saw was the Loper tradition which is the new um, exhibit that's highlighting the work of both Edward Loper Sr. and um, his son, Edward Loper Jr. Um, and They're well-named. They're it's descriptive. And they're also um, well-known local artists. Um, and so it was interesting to see some of the... Um, some of the parallel images that they had, um, like the opening exhibit is two images of Elfress Alley in Philadelphia, um, and you can kind of compare and contrast um, their unique styles, and then you can also see some of the paintings that they've done that feature like the Wilmington skyline, um, the Brandywine River Walk, um, Reading Terminal Market in Philadelphia. Um, so that's actually up through August 4th, and I would really encourage people to go see it. So that's a long exhibit. Um, you guys, you actually have like five months at this point. You can still go see this exhibit. So yep. 
We always love the Delaware Art Museum and we always hype that on Thursday nights it's free and they have happy hours. You can get a glass of wine, stroll the gallery. It's great for a Tinder date. Um, and you can also go for free on a Sunday. So that's always really fun. And especially in the summers, they start doing um, in the sculpture garden. You can actually go to yoga, I think, every other Saturday over the summer. So mm -hmm. you can go to yoga and then go check out the exhibit. So we always recommend that. And then you guys... Sometimes I'm overwhelmed at my calendar when I look at it, and the next couple of weeks, that's definitely how I'm feeling. So I'm, I'm just going to give you a rundown of like just the next five days because that's that alone is a lot. So um, the Swingles are joining the choir school for an event, and the Swingles are a nationally and possibly internationally touring a cappella group. So it's a really exciting opportunity for the students to have a workshop with some professionals. And then also it's going to be actually at the University of Delaware. So students at the University of Delaware are able to attend that event and we do have student ticket pricing. So as always, we'll link everything for that. So that's going to be um, possibly the day this podcast comes out. I'm hoping I'll get it out sooner, but it may not happen until the 28th. Um, and then Friday night, the 29th, I'm going to go to see Fight Club at the Queen. So it's the 20th anniversary of Fight Club. Which is, is set in Delaware. It is set in Delaware. It is in Wilmington. So um, I would say a little known fact, but I think it's a moderately known fact at this point because of the internet. Um, so Brad Pitt did not grace actual Delaware with his presence, but, you know, <laughs> fictional TV Delaware. Mm -hmm. So um, the the Queen is having an event on Friday night. They're showing the movie. Um, I feel like a fraud because I've never actually seen it. What? I know. I know. I'm supposed to be in charge of all things Delaware, and I've never even seen this movie. At least you're going. So I'm going to go see it now, and I think that's the right way to see it. I do. So I'm excited for that. Um, and then we've hyped this before. We're going to hype it again. Um, podcast Brunch Club. If you love this podcast and you love listening to podcasts, please come join. You can contact me or you can go to podcastbrunchclub.com. We have a Wilmington chapter, which is really kind of a Wilmington-Newark hybrid. Um, our first meeting with our curated language playlist, which I listened to today, is going to be on Sunday, March 31st at 11 a.m. We're going to 8th and Union Kitchen. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about podcasts so that your friends don't get annoyed when that's all you do. <laughs> like mine do. Not Dara. Dara listens to me talk about podcasts. But she sometimes just kind of nods her head. Um, and then one more podcast news. Um, we've talked about Ashley Hesseltine before on the podcast. She's actually originally from the Smyrna area. She is an influencer um, in that she runs the Bros Being Basic um, Instagram account. But she also has a podcast called Girls Gotta Eat, which has become very, very successful. And she does live shows. So she's actually in Philly in a couple of weeks. And I... Unfortunately, I think they are sold out of all three shows that they're doing at the Punchline Philly, but um, I'm going to head there. I'm not sure yet um, what my plans are with friends and such for that, but it's going to be a good event. And a reminder that we have this great comedy club in Philly that we can, we can tap into. So Dee, what do you have coming up? So I'm actually going away this weekend to visit family. Um, I feel like I'm really missing out with all these things you've got going on. Um, but I do feel like I'm already getting together the rest of like my spring events, even starting to plan some summer events. Um, I saw at the end of April, um, we have the Mount Cuba wildflower celebration coming up on April 28th. 
um, which I told you I just went to the art museum with my family. And as we were leaving, we were all saying, well, maybe we should all get together and go to the wildflower celebration on oh, a Sunday. You guys, festival season is coming up. It's coming up. I can't wait. Um, actually, I think my dad also mentioned that he's never been to the Italian festival. So. He must not know about the Bellinis and the Panzerottis. What? I guess not. Well, I guess he, I can't, ha- he can't have the Panzerottis. Mm. So. Yeah. But he can still have the Bellinis. He sure no can. allergies there. Awesome. And then um, also if you're looking for something to do on April 28th, um, this was a big uh, achievement for us last year, um, is that as a team, Emily and I competed in the Delaware Marathon. Um, we did. But th- this means that we each ran a quarter of a marathon, but that's six and a half miles. Mm-hmm. And I have to be honest with you, like why did we decide we should run six and a half miles? Mm-hmm. I feel really proud that we were able to do it. Um, Me too. Well, we trained. I mean, we we really trained. We had definitely the group text was going with with our updates on our training schedules. Um, I will admit I have not signed up again for it this year. Um, But now I, I, again, feel like I'm missing out because I just got an email today um, that they're changing the course for this year um, because now it's going to include the newly completed Jack Markell Trail from the Riverfront area to Newcastle um, Elementary School and back. Um, so I think that that sounds like something a little different and that I would like to see. Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, I think we actually did a podcast where our sort of main topic was talking about experiencing racing in Wilmington, um, Mm -hmm. something neither one of us had really done at length before. And so you guys can always go check that out. It's one of our early episodes, so a a little rough around the edges, but it was a good time. Um, and one of the things that didn't really affect us because we were just doing the quarter marathon loop for the full marathoners, they just do the half marathon loop twice. And this is eliminating that. So they're actually getting to see more of Delaware and experience like more of our city and all those great things. So that's exciting. And this, we'll just sort of tap into one last thing. Um, the Caesar Rodney half marathon was this weekend in Wilmington. Mm-hmm. Dara was um, in and out of the train around. station and was confused, I guess, a little bit by all the blockages and the road, the road stops. I knew that, I knew that something was happening. Something was happening. And so when she um, texted me about it, I actually told her that it is the oldest half marathon in the country and the oldest foot race in Delaware. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we are home to a lot of historic things like the oldest half marathon. And um, as always, Senator Carper ran the half marathon, which um, I think is how he has maintained such great shape into some some silver fox years. <laughs> if we want to go back to our silver fox conversation from earlier. So, um, yeah. So, and that's something special too, I think, that our local politicians, they get involved in, you know, the turkey trot, our half marathons, all that kind of stuff. So... We definitely encourage you guys to check out the stuff going on at RH Gallery, at the Delaware Contemporary, the Delaware Art Museum, local restaurants. They've all got March Madness deals going on. Cheap wings, cheap beer. It's my time of year. Um, And we've got the marathon and a ton of other races coming up. So we hope you guys will check that stuff out and enjoy. So I did a terrible job of asking this earlier in the episode, but we like to use it at the end anyway. So where can people find you or the gallery on social media? Uh, you can find the gallery, uh, rh-gallery.com, or you can find my work um, on rhidalgoart.com, or online, or on Instagram, rather, at r.hidalgoart. 
So that is where you can find Rick, and we are so glad you could join us tonight. Thank you so much again for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Della Darling Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Della Darling Pod on Instagram and Twitter, and the Della Darling on Facebook.